lift up our voices unto the King of Kings. Lord, this is my token of appreciation, oh God. Lord, this is a symbol of my love and my appreciation. We love you, Jesus. We love you, God. Every hand lifted up, every eye closed. There's a soft presence of the Messiah in this place today. And I know where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Liberty in my mind, liberty in my soul, liberty in my family, liberty in my future. Can you just love him? There's something about prayer that God Almighty loves. The sound of the voice, the thought of the mind unto the Lord. I'm directing all of my thoughts towards you, God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, why don't you just lay your praise on the table and let the Lord sup with your worship. Let him delight in the sound of your voice. Say, God, I don't have much to offer, but I give you the sound of my voice. I give you my heart. I give you my attention. Oh, God, I'm not the brightest. I'm not the most skillful. I'm not the richest, God, but I want to worship you. Oh, Lord, I made some mistakes, but I'm giving you my heart today. Lord, I've made some messes, but, Lord, I'm giving you my life. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Why don't we continue that right there? There's something about that all one mind and one accord. Can we do that? Just let the Lord walk past you. Let him touch your mind. Let him do some things. He can do things in just a moment. God, pass me. Pass me not by, Lord. Stop in my house. Stop in my mind, Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Hallelujah. Let's wait on him. Oh, God, more than anything, more than anyone, I just need you, Lord. Come on, the doctor's in the house. The great physician, the mighty warrior, the mighty man, the strong man of the house is here, the husbandman, the high priest, and the king is in the house. The lion and the treasure is in the house. The counselor, the father, and the protector is here for us today. Come on, let him talk to you. Let him minister to your spirit words that cannot be uttered, things that cannot be articulated. God, I'm opening my spirit. I'm opening my mind. I'm opening my life. I'm trusting you, Lord, to go through every door, dormitory, every place in my heart, every chamber, every room, and I'm trusting you, Lord, that when you leave it, it will be better. My mind will be sharper. My spirit will be right with you, God. My life will be balanced. I want to tell you, you can trust the hand of the Lord. It's not a violent hand. It's not a mean hand. It's not an aggressive hand. It's a healing hand. It's a strengthening hand. It's a merciful hand. It's a gentle hand. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You felt that hand. Oh, God, at my lowest and low, when I was doing my worst, you picked me up out of the miry clay. You pulled me out of the mud. You dusted me off and you cleansed me. You gave me something to live for, something to smile about, something to go forth about. Oh, hallelujah. Anybody thankful? Anybody in love with Jesus today? Come on, if you've got the Holy Ghost, why don't you pray in that heavenly language right now? Oh, why don't you pray in that heavenly tongue? That miraculous language, that phenomenal spiritual 
voice that God has given us. How be it in the spirit we speak mysteries. Come on, somebody right now in the spirit realm, right now you are conquering an adversary. Mm, right now, right now the enemy is backing off of your home, backing away from your mind. The pressure is leaving as we speak. Come on, let the Spirit work. Let the Spirit work. Let the Spirit of God operate. Let the Spirit of God do surgery right now. He can do much in a moment's time. Just speak the word, Lord. Just speak the word. Speak the word, God. Hallelujah. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. Amen. Does anybody feel that presence? Or am I just, you feel that soft, that, that, that gentle presence, that sweet touch. That's just the presence of the Lord in the house. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And I have learned through experience that when I feel this presence, I don't worry about anything. There's nothing to worry about. Amen. There's nothing to be agitated about. There's nothing to be riled up about. There's nothing to be apprehensive about. He said, I come to give you life, life more abundantly. It's abundant living. It's abundant living. Abundant living. I'm living in the overflow, brother. I'm not living in stress. I'm not living in fear. I'm living in the overflow of joy, love, joy, peace. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Clap your hands if you do. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. You want to know why we shout? Man, we shout because of Jesus. Amen. We shout because God is active and operative in our life. We can feel him. We can sense him. And every once in a while, we can hear him. Hallelujah. Amen. Anybody got a shout of praise in the house of God? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, God. I say, man, why do y'all shout all the time? There's something about a shout. It's boisterous. It's, it's aggressive. It's confident. Not in me, not in my abilities, but in the one that sits on the throne far above the clouds. I'm reaching for him. That's why David said, praise him at all times. My praise shall continually. Somebody say ownership. He said, my praise. Amen. Your praise is good, but there's something about my praise. Amen. I mean, your praise is wonderful, but it's something about when, when, when you can praise him personally. When you can look at the food he's put on the table. Because there's people in here that you don't even know. They know what it's like to go a few nights without food. Somebody say, I got a testimony. When you can look at the gas gauge and you got a full tank, that's, that's thank you, Lord. Some of y'all ain't even hear me. Amen. You forgot what it was like, or you may not know what it's like, but it's the little things that God looks at. And if I can be faithful in little, God said he'll give me much. And I've learned to pray the minor things, the little stuff, the things that humanity takes for granted. Amen. I'm talking about clothes in the closet, food on the table, having some friends. Praise God. Having some enemies. 
At least somebody's thinking about you. Praise God. Some people don't even have that. Hallelujah. See, thank God for your enemies. Somebody's thinking about you. Somebody's talking about you. You're the topic of conversation. Amen. But we're just thankful. The Bible says be thankful in all things. For this is the will of God concerning you. Say, what's the will of God for my life? He says, wherever you are, whether in the desert, whether you're in the oasis, he said, just learn how to be thankful, how to appreciate. Oh, hallelujah. How to just look and say, man, I ain't nothing to argue about. Ain't nothing to argue about. Praise God. Just thankful, contented, satisfied. Thank you, Jesus. For godliness with contentment is great gain. Amen. Anybody thankful to have Jesus? You're thankful to have a church, have a city, have a home to go to. Oh, why don't we clap our hands unto the Lord. Praise God. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Amen, amen. So much to say, such a little time to say it, but I do want to give honor to the man of God, my friend, Pastor Evan Hood, Sister Stephanie Hood. Amen, I love them. I appreciate their due diligence and the hunger, amen, to see the work of God go forth. Amen. I've been able to watch his life personally for over the last 15 years or more. And, uh, amen, I remember when we were just uh, little little young tykes, as if it were, trying to sneak into the minister's dinner, you know, at the conference. Just pick up a broom, just act like we're cleaning, you know. Might grab a couple bites, you know. And uh, we kicked out, but it's all right. Amen, and uh, I've always admired him. He has such a good reputation where he comes from. That's big. Amen. You know, you know, you move to a different city, different state. You know, the people don't know you like your home folk now. Nobody know you like at home. And uh, but uh, man, he's so thankful, thankful, thankful. Uh, I want to say thank you to all of uh, the church that has shown uh, any type of giving, servitude. Amen. Brother Sister Machado. Man, she can cook, can't she? You know, where I come from, you know, they say, man, make a man get a full-time job, that type of cooking. And uh, I appreciate love, Brother Jonathan, Brother Mark. Amen. And uh, good to see my good friend, Death Ridge. Brother Bo Death Ridge, Sister Death Ridge. Love them. Amen. Appreciate his love for the Word of God. Amen. And uh, man, love his spirit. Always have. And uh, so appreciative. Have good, godly men in my life, friends, comrades, compadres, and uh, always bounce some things off. And uh, amen. Father's Day. Father's Day. Praise God. Some of y'all men better take advantage of it. It's the only day you get to say something. It's your choice. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. Maybe I don't know. Some of y'all are like, hurry up. Praise God. But, uh, amen. Give honor to all the fathers in the house. Amen. I give honor. Give honor. Amen. Amen. I, uh, man, such a, you know, I pray for the family. Amen. I know your child's in the, in the NICU, and uh, I know what that's like. And I know what it's like to show up to church. Your baby's at the hospital. And uh, everybody's saying everything's going to be all right. But, boy, when your baby's there, man, every moment, every time you turn over in the bed, that's all you can think about. But God's got it. God's got it. Amen. And uh, 
I didn't know what God was doing, but I look back now and God was saying, I'm just trying to give you a little bit extra rest. And when that baby come home, <laughs> amen. So we're thankful, thankful, thankful. Going to the book of Matthew chapter 11, amen. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, amen. So good to see everybody in the house of God on Sunday, amen. Sunday, Sunday, praise the Lord. What time is it? 2 19. All right. All right. All right. I got time. You know, preachers can preach long sometimes. It's like they got built in gas tank. <laughs> start, start siphoning. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Some preachers preach so long, devil's like, yeah, you know, I'm out of here, man. God, God bless. I'll get part two on Wednesday. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 11, 28. Come unto me, all of ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's Jesus talking. I'm going to read the next two verses, but before I do, I, I just want you to know who's talking here. So you can get the right concept about God. Come unto me. Come unto me, all of ye that labor and you are heavy laden. Look what he says. I will give you rest. I got a gift for you. He says, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. For I am meek lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light can I read that one more time I want you to focus on the words of the Messiah come unto me all of you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy. My burden. There's worldly burdens. There's his burden. There's rioting in the streets or the streets of gold. There's laying hands to create violence or there's laying my hand upon him to apprehend him. Jesus said, if you will take my burden, if you will take my yoke, and if you will come unto me, he said, I will remove the labor, the heavy laden, the burdens. He said, I'll give you rest unto your soul. You say, why do you preach this particular scripture? I had a dream last night, and, and uh, before I went to sleep, I prayed. I said, God, if you would just give me something for your people. And I, and I had a dream, and in this particular dream, Man, there was so much violence and chaos going on. There was broken glass and there was fighting and violence and there was rioting going on. And in the midst of all of that, I saw my little son, but he was a little bit younger. He was reduced to a baby on its knees. I saw him crawling on the broken fragments of cement and brick and the scuff marks, blood on the ground. And I kept saying, son, son, come unto me. Come unto me. 
I knew what God was doing. He was showing me there's, there's nobody that cares about you like he does. Mm. And the world's trying to navigate through all of this. And, but it's only reduced to an infant's genes. It's just trying to navigate through all of the muck and the mess and all the spiritual darkness and chaos, media, news, and coverage. At best, brother, at best, we are but children. Can't talk, can't walk, just trying to feel our way through all of this. And the father standing there saying, here, you come to me. In the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the drama, in the midst of all this, this, this craziness, the Lord is saying, just come, focus on me now. Focus on me. Listen to my voice. Listen to my voice. And so I want to title this uh, message today, Come. Come unto me. Jesus, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. God, you only know what you want to do here today. Let me be an open vessel. I'm not much of a vessel, but just let me be an open vessel. In the name of Jesus, somebody say, Lord, I'm trusting you to go everywhere in my heart that you want to go. I'm opening up all the doors. I'm opening up all the chambers. And I'm trusting you, Lord, that I will be better when I leave. Amen. Can you clap your hands unto the Lord? Oh, hallelujah. Man, I feel him in the house. He's going to help us. Amen. You, you may be seated. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Uh, it's a woman that I came across not too long ago who around April was taking up some of the soft evening southern air. She planted a garden in her backyard. She had Got off from the day's work. Her feet were a little sore. Her back a little sore. Her neck just a little sore. But there was something relaxing, delightful about her garden in the back. Donna, Donna Bourbon was her name. She came in like normal. She grabbed her keys. Hear the jingle from the soft metal. Hung them up on the hook. She grabbed a purse. Set it there on the tiled counter. She changed her slippers into some shoes that she's had for gardening. She grabbed her gloves, some tools, and she was going that evening to enjoy some of the spring weather that was coming in, have a good time with her beautiful growths that she had created. All the pretty colors, the flowers, the plants, the smells, of nature, the greenery, the shrubbery, all of those things that come with having a garden. She was busy. She was watering. She was feeding. She was planting. She was just trying to clean up some things. And she stood up to stretch her back. And suddenly, uh, it was what she thought someone hit her with a baseball bat. She felt that thud, that blow that knocked her to her feet. There was an explosion in her mind, lights going off, just extreme pain. Numbing pain, paralyzing pain. Surely uh, someone had got in her backyard and has hit her with a weapon. She didn't know what to think. Um, it laid her down flat, and as she was coming down uh, in and out of consciousness, she realized that 
There was something was in her neck, something that was protruding through her neck that had penetrated from one side throughout the other. She, she fell on it. She tried to turn her head, but uh, to no avail. She realized that she was looking at an arrow that had come and it pierced one side of her neck and it went out the other side. Uh, blood began to go, hemorrhaging, shock, and trauma, numbness began to crawl up her body. Uh, nobody was there to help her. She thought uh, what was going on. She looked and saw some of the soft colors as she began to fade in and out of being awake. And this pain, this arrow, what is going on? Somebody has attacked me. You know, something accident has happened. Her husband on the phone with her daughter looked through the window, saw his Beautiful wife laying there on the back patio, uh, shaking and trembling, uh, choking on her blood. And with shock, trauma, and disbelief, he uh, dropped the phone. He grabbed his wife. He brought her in, trying to assess everything that's going on, the pressure, the stress. He knew she only had a little bit of time to live. He's shocked. This can't be happening. This disaster, despair, uh, this nightmare that is happening right here right now. Got off the phone with his daughter, quickly called 911. Uh, the paramedics came and all of those, the EMT and those that can assist in the ambulance and uh, the blood, the dripping, the oozing, the coagulation, the stickiness, the gooiness, the dark red color of death as a death angel seemed to stand there unmoved just a few feet away. She knew that her time was up and that the end of her life had finally come, but she prayed, God, is it my time? If it's my time, let me be ready. The lights, the stretcher, the doors, the strangers, the gloves, the people, the machines, the compression, and where am I? Who am I? And all of a sudden, the story came. And they realized that just a few houses down, a little boy had come out to practice with a practice bow and practice arrow, and uh, he shot northward. And sometimes those arrows going 200 miles per hour at a particular distance, it deflected off of a tree and it come in just a few houses down, accidentally got her in the neck. Why me, God? Why our family? The tears, the phone calls, the emergencies, the texts. Please get here. There's just a little bit of time to live. And one by one, the family came to the hospital. What floor? What room? Sign here. What floor? Elevator, please. And that old familiar feeling at the hospital, uh, those strangers that you look for and eyes for compassion, uh, but they're busy doing other things, tending to other patients. And they were able to help her, and they were able to bring her back, able to sustain life. And there was the trauma. And finally, you're going to make it. You won't make it. You're going to make it. You won't make it. But finally, a surgeon comes in, and you're going to make it. You're going to be all right. You're going to do good. Amen. People said she was lucky, but she said, I'm blessed. People said she was lucky, but she said, you know, you could call it luck, but I'm just blessed. Amen. People say you're lucky, but you know you're just blessed. People say, oh, it was by happenstance that you made it into the church. No, that's because I'm blessed. God loves us. It was the grace of God. Anybody thankful for God's grace? Oh, clap your hands if you know the grace of God. It's not by happen chance that we know him. It's not by luck, friend. It's because you're blessed. The grace of God and the favor of God is upon your life. 
Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. God has chosen us. God has selected us. Oh, praise God. Bible says you are a chosen generation. The word chosen means selected and chosen and out of a selection of choices of preferences. God looked at mankind. There were people smarter than us, more righteous than us, more brilliant than us, but God overlooked them and said, you are the one I want. He began to speak to your spirit. Amen. He began to speak to your soul, and that's the reason why you're here today. No other reason but the fact of you love him and you want to please God. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. As she lay there in that hospital bed, God, why me? Possibly a paralytic now. She will never be the shame. The scars, the wounds, those old deep scars that are nightmarish to a woman's beauty. Why me, God? Why me? Time to go home, pack your bags, the trauma, the PTSD, afraid to go back to the place of beauty that once would bring her peace now. Shut up a prisoner in a home, barely able to go outdoors. God, why me? Why me? Why me? Oh, the questions we ask God when we go through dramatic nightmares of pain and suffering. God, is there something that I've done? Is there something that I could have done better? The condemnation, the shackles, the handcuffs, the prison that we seem like God has put us in. Oh, the self-woe and the self-infliction. Oh, the fist like a gavel comes crushing on our head. If I was just a little bit more prayerful, if I was just a little bit more righteous, I wouldn't be in this mess. But God has the unique ability to bring beauty out of the suffering. God has the wonderful, miraculous talent to bring beauty out of the pain and triumph out of the tears. So clap your hands. Thank you for my storm. Thank you for the darkness. Thank you for the pain, oh God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, why me, God? As time goes on, phone call now. It's the doctor. Will you come in, Donna? We got some information for you. When you were here last, we did a CAT scan, and we realized now what it was, a tumor, a brain tumor that we wouldn't have seen unless you would have got wounded. Mm. God has the unique ability, friend. Listen to me. God has. God doesn't waste trials. God doesn't waste your tears. God doesn't waste your storms. Amen. Some of you, if you knew what the storm did to you, oh, you'd be so thankful. God was extracting things that would have destroyed you. Amen. Some of you have lost friends and familiars, but God extracted them out of your life. Amen. Because he saw something down the road. I'm talking to some Somebody. Oh, God, thank you for the storm. Thank you for the confusion. Thank you for the pain, oh, God. Thank you. And she realized that God was just helping her. But in order to get her into the hospital, there had to be a wound. Oh, God, there's, there's things about trials that make us draw closer to God. Amen. There's things about when God cuts your water off, so to speak. Amen. It causes us to pray. Amen. What are you saying? God is some maniacal, sadistic being that gets pleasure out of pain. No, he just knows that I can make beautiful things out of the suffering. I can, I can make you beautiful. 
Oh, Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house, Jeremiah. And he said, I got my things together. And I traveled down to the potter's house. And I walked in. I saw that dullness from old splattered dry clay on the walls. And it wasn't a beautiful place. It was symbolic of the church. It was everywhere. I saw different potter's vessels and different types of pottery. Unfinished products and vessels on the, that old wooden dried out shelf. And God said, pay attention to the hands of the potter. He said, I watched him. I watched how he dipped water upon that clay and he began to mold that clay in the direction and in the shape and the formation that the potter wanted it. He watched the potter focus his attention undistracted upon that clay. Can I tell you, you are in the hands of God. Every detail, every curvature of your life is in the hands and the manipulation of God Almighty. Every detail said, and as I begin to watch, I watched the potter. He said, I watched that vessel become marred in the potter's hands. The old Hebrew word for marred, I watched it become ruined. I watched it become ruined in the hands of the potter. Oh God, how many times have we looked at our life and said, surely I've made a mistake serving God. My life is in ruins. I look at people in the world, they seem happy and joyful and at peace. And I go to church and it's like my mind has been marred. But he watched the hands of the potter begin to recreate something beautiful in the hands oh clap your hands unto the Lord Oh, God, oh, God, I'm talking to people that are being recreated through pain you're being recreated through the marring don't curse it don't curse your storm I'm talking to somebody, don't curse when people turn their back on you don't you curse it when you feel isolated and lonely. Don't you curse it. Man, you're in the hands of the potter. He's working something in you. Amen. Something beautiful to his perspective. You hear me? Something beautiful that he can see. Oh, others may see other glitches. They may see the defects. They may see the failures. But God says, I can fix that. Just give me time. He's on the potter's wheel. And I'm working through her. I'm working. Oh, somebody say, work on me, God. Come on, somebody say, work on me. Amen. Thank God they got the tumor out. Amen. Time goes on a little bit longer. And they find something else. Donna, can you come in? If it had not been for the wound, and if we had not saw the arrow, we wouldn't have saw the tumor. And if we wouldn't have saw the tumor, we wouldn't have saw the blood clot. Amen. Aneurysm, stroke. And now it's time to remove it. But it was all because of a storm. Amen. It was all because of the pressure. It was all because of God had to create this environment. Praise God to get her. God. What are you saying, Brother Pointing? I'm saying, don't you curse when things start going in reverse. When things start breaking down. I don't know why I'm on relationships. When relationships start breaking down and you've been praying, you've been fasting, trying to hold this relationship together. Hey, just let God work. Just let God work. Somebody say amen. Oh, hallelujah. Man, I'm thankful that God does not waste problems that we go through. Relationship breaks up as a problem. But you got to let God work. Jesus saw people that day that had been burdened. He saw, he felt the anxiety. 
He saw the troubled minds, people that were agitated, people that were unsure. Tell you something, if you don't know where you're going after you live this life, you got troubles that only God can help. Hallelujah. He looked at people that didn't know where they were going after this life. He comforted them by saying, you come unto me, all of ye that labor and are heavy laden. He said, I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you, learn of me. For I'm meek, lowly in heart, you shall find rest unto your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. This story is a little bit deeper, I'll tell you why. Because at the beginning of this chapter, John the Baptist sent some disciples to Jesus and said, are you he or do I look for another? That's deep. I'll tell you why it's deep, Brother Brizuela, because John the Baptist was his first cousin. There's some innuendos in the story saying, listen, I'm not only a fellow minister, I'm family. Mm. And if I'm family, why am I sitting in prison and you get to enjoy freedom? All I've done is live for you and preach your gospel. Anybody ever felt like that? God, if I've been living for you, paying tithe and offering, why am I struggling? I wish I had some real folk in the house right now. I know there's real folk in the house right now. I can feel your spirit agreeing with me. He said, listen, not only, not only am I a fellow minister, not only am I family, I have given my entire life of separation, preaching in the wilderness. I've had all types of antagonists and adversaries and opponents and competitors against my ministry, but I sacrificed it. I ate locusts and wild honey. Watch him now. You got to get the message. I ate locusts and wild honey, and you get to fellowship at tables with golden cups. You get to go to weddings where the wine's flowing. Here I sit in the prison. Anybody ever felt like that? God, if I've been living for you, why am I suffering these diseases? Why am I going through these afflictions? Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, still in the same chapter, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Are thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Watch him now. Because John goes all the way back to before he was born. And he was in the womb. Remember three things about the womb. It's dark. It's lonely. You hear voices, but you don't see faces. The womb is close to being like in the prison. And there's folks here today, you think you're in the prison, but you're actually in the womb. God's about to birth. This is why you can't curse when you feel isolated, lonely, and you can hear voices, but you can't really see the promises. God says, just hold on. I'm fixing to birth something. I'm fixing to bring some things back to life. Watch John now. Watch John. John says, I'm your family, but why am I in prison? John, John says, listen, he said, I was in the womb before and you came. And he says, when you came, I leaped in the womb. He said, when you came, when I, I couldn't get to you before, you came to me. And John is saying, are you the same one? Or do I wait for somebody else to come? I'm fixing to tell somebody. 
Amen. You've been waiting for God to come. But God's saying, I want you to come to me. Amen. I'm making it available. I'm opening up the door. Amen. You come unto me. Amen. Come unto me, all of you that are wore out and exhausted. He said, I've got rest for you. I've got rest for you. What was Jesus doing? He was changing methods. He was transitioning John to spiritual maturity. John, you were used to me coming to you. You were used to seeing me face to face. But now I want you to walk by faith. By your faith, step out of the prison and come into my presence. By faith, you can step out of that little bedroom of yours. And you can get into the throne room of God. But it's by faith. He said, you come unto me, John. Make no mistake, Jesus was still talking to his disciples. Now, the disciples... When they heard the message, blessed is he, he said, you go tell John the deaf hear, the blind see, the lame walk, blessed is he that is not offended in me. And the disciples, when they heard that word blessed, they say, okay, time to go. But Jesus was still talking to him. He began to finish his message. Towards the end of his message, these are the words he began to say. Now, I want you to see something. John the Baptist would have came to Jesus personally like he wanted to, but he was in prison. Some of you would love to get a hold of God like you really want to, but you feel like you're in prison. The Greek word for prison there is desmaterion. It means the place of bondage or a dungeon. So you hear the word prison, you think, you, you think brothers is out there with slippers on watching TV all day. It ain't like that. That ain't prison. It's a little bit, little bit more tougher than that. So, you know, my daddy just got out three months ago. He did 10 years straight. Hey, man, I called him today. Boy, he was happy. He was blessed. He was thankful. Because when you've been in the prison, whether spiritual prison, physical prison, emotional prison, financial prison, when you get out, you're just thankful to be alive. Hey, watch him now. John was in a dungeon. You know what a dungeon is? That's not only a prison, brother. It's a prison underground. It's like being, it was literally being buried alive. And John says, how is it that I'm down here and I'm, feel, I'm, I'm, I'm living the life of a dead man? And Jesus says, but you can still come unto me. Oh, I'm talking to somebody. You say, man, I'm encapsulated. I'm confined. There's no way out. No, no, no. You can still come to the place of liberty. You got to do it by prayer and praise. You do it by worship. You say, man, I know what it looks like. I know what the prison cell looks like. I know what my life looks like. But, brother, there's an open door in my prison cell. I said there's an open door. You know, but see, sometimes you ever heard of being institutionalized? Some people don't want to come out of their prison. Huh? Some people like being confined. Some people like being in financial prison, in emotional prison, social prison. They isolate themselves. Well, I'm just an introvert. You ain't no introvert. You go right up to the drive-thru and order like everybody else. I done stepped on somebody's toes. I'm just an introvert. I can't talk to nobody. You sure talk to people when they come ask you what your order is, don't you? Get a little talkative. Get a little social. Well, I'll have uh, that sounds good. Thank you. Amen. Watch them now. The dungeon is a strong, dark prison, usually underground. The prison is the place of confinement, boundaries, limits, and restrictions. You know what John was saying? I know what John was saying. He said, God, how is it that I'm feeling bound up and I'm feeling limited 
and I'm feeling restricted. What do I do? Amen. You know what he was telling him? He says, you come unto me. When your life is feeling bound up, you feel like joy is not flowing. You feel like grace is not flowing. What do I do, preacher? You get on your knees and you build you a prayer room and you build you a door and you go into the presence of God and God will remove the boundaries. He will break the restrictions and he will remove the limits that life has put on you. Amen. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9. Paul says, he was in prison when he wrote this, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer. He was being wrongfully accused. Some of us couldn't even handle that today. Not only was he being wrongfully accused, God was allowing him to suffer as an evildoer. He ever had your reputation scarred by false remarks, false accusations, wasn't a true story. That wasn't the true rendition, the true version of really what happened, the facts. And God says, nope, you're going to be in a prison. But watch him. He says, I'm suffering trouble as an evildoer. And he said, I'm in prison. He says, but the word of God is not bound. What are you saying, Brother Pornex? I'm talking to people. You think you're in prison today. You feel like you, you there's condemnation on your life. You feel like God has handcuffed you and put the shackles on your life. And you feel like that's the only place you're going to be. Amen. But his word is not bound. And if his word is not bound up, you're not bound up. I'm telling you, you got to filter in God. God's blessing is upon your life. Watch him, watch him. This story gets a little bit deeper. Because John had a word in prison. What do you do, Brother Diaz, when you got a word, but you don't have enough faith to activate the word? You know what I'm talking about. The preacher comes by. He says, man, everything's going to be all right. God gave me a vision. God gave me a dream. But you walk from church, and you're like, you're still worried. And you're still fearful. And you're still apprehensive. And Man, you roll over in the bed at night and you're biting your nails. Man, I just don't know. And man, and you're just rubbing your head. You're trying to figure all this out and, and, and stress and worry. And, 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 and John had a word in prison. Where did the word come from? It came from the book of Genesis when God put Joseph in prison. Jesus said, I've given you a word. Watch him now. Genesis chapter 39, verse 20. You got to see this. And Joseph's master took him, put him in the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in prison. Watch now. But the Lord was with Joseph, showed him mercy, gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Woo. John, I've given you a word. But what do you do when you don't have enough faith to activate that word? You know what you do, Brother Jonathan? You go unto him. You go pray. When you don't have enough faith, amen, when God has already spoken to you, what do you do? You go and you get in the presence of God and you go seek his face. He said, I want you to come unto me. Man, I'm telling you what. I, I, listen, if you, if you want to spend hours ingesting all of this social rubbish, I wish I had about half of an amen right there, brother. A whispered amen would have did some good, you know. People are like, oh, I kind of like it. You know? if, if you want to keep ingesting all of this social media rubbish and all of the news reels, I'm telling you right now, it's going to contradict what God is trying to tell you. Because all it's going to do, sis, it's going to generate fear and chaos and distrust 
telling you right now, and there's, there's Pentecostals getting drawn into it right now. Start posting idiotic stuff. I didn't even want to get on this stuff, but I saw the dream. I saw that little baby crawling over all the mess, and it was all types of violence going on, and I'm trying to get his attention. You come unto me. Don't, don't, don't crawl over all of this. I want you to come and be in my arms. I, I want you to have peace. I want to remove the heavy burden. I don't want you distracted in the midst of all of these things. I feel the Holy Ghost. Be careful how much you ingest and digest the stuff. It will pull you in. Raise your hand if you've ever been in a fight. Oh boy, got some fighters in the house tonight. Huh? Some fighters, boy. Some of y'all still fighters. Now, 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 raise your hand if you've ever been in a fight, but you didn't start the fight, one of your friends did. That's what I thought. You feel compelled, you, you, feel, you feel obligated. And I'm telling them the devil's drawing people out to a fight. And God said, this ain't your fight. He said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, power, brother, spirit. You fighting right now. This is how you fight the enemy. You come to the house of God and you link up with the spirit of God. And you fight the battle that is unseen through the spirit of love and mercy. Oh, hallelujah. Come unto me. Come, come unto me. I'm almost done. Let me, let me finish this up. I, Amen. Uh, listen, 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 listen. He was giving John a new method of approach. Jesus said, blessed is the man that cometh unto. Listen, what, this is what David said, Psalm 65, verse 4. Listen, blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee. Blessed is the man. Watch him now. That word blessed means to be happy and delighted and to be pleased and to be full of joy. Happy is the man whom thou causest to approach unto thee. He's a satisfied man. He's a man that is contented. It's a woman that is at peace with life. A woman that is delighted, pleased, and glad. A sign of pleasure and delight, contentment, and joy. David picked up on it and said, God, when I get in your presence... Contentment overtakes my, my mind, he says, and dissatisfaction goes out the back door. You know what we see in the world right now in dissatisfaction, discontentment, discord, unharmony. You see violence and agitation. But David said, when I get in your presence, something changes. Oh, God, I'm talking to the spirit of the world right now. There's something liberating about going out there and grabbing something in a violent rage. And, and man, just let's let my voice be heard. David said, if your voice is going to be heard, let God hear your voice. <laughs> Blessed is the man, happy, contented, glad is the man whom thou causest to approach unto thee. He said he will be satisfied. That's what the word actually means. To be satisfied. Oh, what is all the dissatisfaction coming from? Amen. Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. Amen. Let me tell you something. Jesus said, I want you to come unto me, all of you that labor and are heavy laden. Let me tell you what the word labor there in the Greek means. Kopio. It means weary, tired, exhausted, and from working hard. 
God said some of us have been trying to work all of this stuff out in the world, trying to work these things out in their mind. He said, listen, you can try to work that stuff out. Amen. He said, it's only going to exhaust you and you're going to be weary. Amen. One of the things, one of the tools that the devil's going to use from the book of Daniel, the Bible says he's going to wear the saints of the most high out. He's going to wear you out. You're going to give up the battle. Say, man, I'm just exhausted. I'm weary. I'm tired. I'm drained of my strength. I'm drained of my energy. Hey, man, the, the Latin word exhausted literally means to be emptied out and to be drained out. And the world and the devil is doing everything it can to drain you of God's spirit, drain you of your peace. Drain you of your contentment. Drain you of balance and joys. If he can just wear you out. And God says, I'm talking to a people, a nation, a church, amen, that has been worn out, trying to work it out all up here. He says, but if you will just come unto me, he says, I'll begin to rejuvenate you. I'll begin able to put the fight back in you. I'll be able to put life back into you. Amen. I'm talking about new vision. I'm talking about innovation, creativity. Amen. So you can go and progress and be successful in the endeavors that God has given you. Or you can keep trying to do it yourself. Keep, keep skipping prayer time. Keep skipping prayer. Keep skipping out on the word of God. And just being drained. When a man is drained, the enemy can overtake him. And the devil knows that he's going to try to wear you out. Try to get you so preoccupied. Amen. Get you so preoccupied. Watch this now. On ceremony. You know what ceremony means? It means obligated importances of life. Work. Job. Children. Family. All of these things. If you're not careful, the devil can work through all of that. And drain you of any spirituality. And he can overtake you. What happens when the devil overtakes you? Depression? Anger? Frustration? Those are all signs of a drained spirit. Fear? Apprehension? Signs of a drained spirit. What are you talking about? You know when the fuel gauge gets low on the car, the car starts sputtering a little bit. Some of y'all been there. You know what I'm talking about. Start jerking a little bit. Keyword jerk. You know, when you start acting like a jerk, you know what that's a sign of? That's a sign of a drained spirit. You've been working too much. You're exhausted. You're tired. And Jesus says, if you just come unto me. Why don't you lift up your hands right now in the name of Jesus? Musician, why don't you come, brother? Come on. Come on. I want you to imagine in your mind right now going into the presence of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want you to imagine yourself walking into the arms of the Lord where he is. Imagine him on that sweet day just teaching disciples. Just teaching. He's just teaching. You come up on the hillside, you see the green grass, you see the master just teaching. You look down below, there's chaos, there's war, there's darkness, there's fear, storms, torrential rains, but you come up on the hillside and there's the master with his disciples just teaching. He looks at you and says, come on, you can sit right by me. You say, God, but there's a world craziness going on, there's a world of 
chaos and thunder. He says, that's all right. He says, there's peace where I'm at. Say, God, I don't know what to do. My family, my finances, my future, that's all right. You come, you come right here. You sit by me, and you come and you learn of me. You take my yoke upon you, for my burden is easy. My burden is better. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Why don't we stand to our feet right now? This is a simple service today. God says, I've come to alleviate. I've come to bring you up. I've come to elevate you. Hallelujah. Come, come unto me. Come, my son. Come, my daughter. You see all of this stuff going on. What do we do in times like this? We draw near unto the Lord. Don't let your mind be saturated by all of these distractions. Say, preacher, you ought to be preaching like that. You ought to be in the streets. Oh, brother, you don't even know. We ain't more thicker than you think. Because this is a spiritual dilemma the world is in. It ain't got nothing to do with flesh. I promise you. I promise you. You know what Jesus said, brother? He said, a house divided cannot stand. A house divided shall not stand. You know, the Greek word divided means differences. That's all that the devil needs for a house to be divided and say, you know what, we're a little different. He looks and husband says, you know what, we're just not the same. You don't think like I do. And I can look at my brother and say, you know, we're not from the same economical social class. We're not from the same part of town. That's all you need is some differences to be divided. But you can't stand. That word there means it can't sustain experiences of life. It can't sustain injury or loss. But when we are united, this is why Paul said there is neither woman nor male, nor Greek nor Jew, nor barbarian, Scythian. He said we are all one in Christ Jesus. Because the moment I start seeing differences, brother, that's, that's what, but I, you know what I see, brother? I see Jesus Christ. I see a man that loves Jesus like me. I see a man that needs Jesus like me. I see a man that's walking with Jesus like me, and that's all that I need to see. It'll get you distracted. I'm telling you, it's going to get you distracted. You'll get caught up in a fight that ain't even yours. Oh, boy. Probably, I'm about to say this next thing, man. I don't know if I should, Brother Bo Deffers. But if Louis Farrakhan, a proponent of Muslims for over 50 years, says this ain't our fight, brother, let me tell you something. This whole race thing going on in the world, this ain't our fight. Think, I think I, I, yeah, I think I can, I think I'm qualified to say so. 
I grew up in, in southern Missouri. I spent days here. I know what it's like to be on the wrong side of the tracks too long. Weapons start coming out. I know the story. I think I'm qualified to say something, but I know, I know for a fact, God says, you come on up here. He's telling the church, you come on up here. The devil's baiting the world. This is what the devil does. He distracts us. God says, no, you come on up here. Come unto me, all of you that are wore out and exhausted about this world. He said, I'll give you peace. And I'll give you rest. I feel the Holy Ghost. There's Pentecostals. There's people living for God. And they're picking up weapons that God didn't ordain them to pick up. What are you talking about, preacher? They're picking up perspectives and viewpoints and mentalities that are not of God. It's just utterly flesh. God says, I didn't ordain you to pick that weapon up. Hmm? Times of war, you keep your mouth shut. Keep your weapon sharp. You keep your goal clear. And this battle's not ours. Hallelujah. I'm here to win souls. I'm here to fight the enemy. I'm here to, I'm here to support my church, brother. I'm here to enjoy life. Amen. I'm here to be a good saint of God. Come on. In the name of Jesus, God, I want you. Amen. I'm making up in my mind. I am not going to be distracted. I'm not going to be distracted. Every hand lifted up right now. Every voice unto the Lord. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is here. Whatever you need, you need forgiveness. You need healing. Amen. You need a refilling of the Holy Ghost. You need a touch of God. You need to be refreshed. Amen. I realize the days we're living in, nobody even has to lay hands on you right now. God can touch you. Amen. Why don't you let the Lord lay hands on you right now? Woo, here he is. There he is. That old familiar feeling. God, I thank you for the storm. I thank you for the pressure. God, it's showing me how I can come and pray. God, I teach you teaching me. Amen. How to come into your presence in the name of Jesus. I feel him. That's all I need to feel. It's him. Come on, if you need forgiveness, I want you to lift up your hands. You need to touch God. Amen. What do I do when I'm in the prison? You come unto him. Amen. What do I do when there's chaos and there's thunder? Amen. Come unto me. Blessed is the man. Oh, God, blessed is the man. And I, I feel this rejoicing, sis, in my spirit right now. I feel a rejoicing. I feel a peace. Hallelujah. I want you to look at somebody and say, there ain't nothing to worry about. That's right. There's a lot going on. Man, there's a lot going on. Amen. But I'm not going to have the language of somebody that doesn't know God. I'm not going to have the mentality of somebody that doesn't trust God. Amen. I got one of my good friends, and I'm gonna share this story, and then we're done. But Brother Josh Yellow Al, man, come up a boxer on the south side of town, come out of Browning, Montana, rough, 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 Indian Reservation, Blackfeet Nation, rough, rough, rough. Amen. Got in church. He was violent when he got in church. He was mean. He, I, 
man, he, he destroyed car with his bare hands. He was brutal. And he got in church. And, and man, his little girlfriend had gotten church. And man, they got married. Amen. And I watched God year after year put their life together. God give them a ministry in church, ushering and helping people, praying with people. Man, I just watched God just bless his life, having ch children and, man, just good jobs. It just, I mean, it was incredible just year after year. And then uh, not too long ago, man, he come to church and, and he had this disease that he'd been struggling with his whole life. Uh, some stuff going on with his liver and his kidneys. And, and they told him, they said, listen, they said, you, 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 you've got a certain amount of time to live and we're going to have to take this out and you're going to have to take this medication. He's in his 20s the embarrassment, the shame, and man, the trauma, and I watched him, man, I, I went up to the hospital to visit him, and man, his family there, and I watched people just, it was just, man, it was, it was a cloud of doubt all over his life. His little baby girl, his little baby boy, I watched his wife begin to get quiet. She's going through a storm, I understand. God, why am I going through this? She's going through a, a trial. I watched her praise start to diminish a little bit. And he came to me, said, Brother Poindexter, he said, I don't know what to do. I said, Brother Josh, I said, this is what you do. You ready? I said, you're a father. I said, you show your family how to go through a storm. I said, this is, I said, this is an opportunity. I said, this is what you do. You're going to look at your family, so to speak, and you're going to say, I'll show you how to go through a storm. And I told him, I said, Brother Josh, I said, this ain't the time. I said, this is the time to show up to church early. I said, you put on your best suit. You put on your best tie. Your wife knows the news you just got. She understands. He's been battling with these diseases for years. She said, I said, you put on your best clothes. I said, you show up early. You shake everybody's hand. You smile. You laugh. I said, you, you show your family as a father, a man of God, how to go through a trial. I said, I promise you everything's going to be all right. And brother, boy, did he come to church, shoes shining, suspenders on. I'm like, man, brother, okay. Here's $100 here, just take it. God bless you. He showed up. He come prayer early. He come shaking everybody's hand. And I, I watched his wife. She's looking at him. You ought to be sad. You ought to be scared. You ought to be showing up to church late, letting everything grow out. And you ought to be dis disgruntled and mad and angry sitting on the back. I watched him come to the, man, he's helping. Man, he's getting his usher stuff together. And I watched him. And six months later, the report came in. And the disease was gone. Gone, brother, gone. I watched, I saw the jaundice leave. I saw life come back into him. Man, it changed his whole life. God blessing him, man. I watched God bless this man because there's something about a man of God that comes into his presence. Because when the man comes, here comes mama. Here comes them little bitty babies. And the Lord says, that's what I want right there. Amen. All oh, come unto me, all of you that labor and are heavy laden. Come on, this is an opportunity in 2020. Say, man, I'm going to lead my family. Hey, man, where are you going? Where are you leading them? You're leading them down to the streets to fight? No, I'm leading them to the presence of God. Oh, hallelujah. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Before we go, lift up your hands right now. Hallelujah. 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 H